Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot org, And if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace. The reading is To Be Like a Tree from Carrie Newcomer. See how the trees reach upward as if their entire existence were an elegant gesture of prayer. See how they become welcome, the breath of spirit, in all its visible and invisible form. See how roots reach downward and out, embracing the physical, the body and bones of the earth and stone soul, allowing half of its life to be sheltered in the most quiet and secret places. If I could be more like a tree, to feel the breath of invisible spirit touch me as tenderly as a kiss on the forehead, it could be courageously and confidently dig down into the bark where the groundwater runs deep, where shelter and sanctuary can be had and held. To be like a tree with all of its bent and unbent places, the whole and holy thing from its topmost twigs to the deepest taproot and to all the good and graceful spaces in between. This coming Thursday, April 22nd, is Earth Day. So like so many of our holidays and celebrations, there's joy, there's sorrow, there's wonder, and there's remembrance. Earth Day binds us together in our human experience across the globe. It was first celebrated on April 22nd, 1970, as a day to honor the Earth and to participate in educational meetings about environmental needs. So think of those, for those of you who can remember, the old style 60s teach-ins. And since then, it's grown in access across our country and world. As Unitarian Universalists, the seven principle, our seven principle, honors the interconnected web of all living things of which we are a part. And so Earth Day is a natural love and a natural fit for us. While awareness was growing, so was the threat of climate change to a point that we now stand on a precipice. Consumption and greed have led to further environmental degradation as a world population and a world economy grows. Many of you are already involved in environmental justice efforts from legislation to tree planting. 
And today, let us strengthen our commitments to earth justice work in our community, in our backyards, and what we can do in our political realm. For Earth Day, we join to hold hope and our pain and to honor the earth, our blue boat home. We recognize our deep relationship with earth and then environmental work is intertwined with our spiritual path. And it's not the work of a day or even a year, but our lifetime. For this Earth Day, I wanted to focus on the trees, not only because they inspire us just in their, their grandeur and their, their wonder and their essentialness, but they also speak to us at an archetypal level, that, that level that's below our consciousness that we all share as part of our human experiences. And I have to say, I have been a tree-loving person since childhood. My dad always took us on many hikes and camping and up into the Cascades to hike. And, um, but it wasn't until I came to McMinnville and I started to see different kinds of trees. I started to see, I was like, what are those? And it was the filbert and the walnut because I just didn't grow up around trees that were like that. And I was fascinated they were touching my imagination. And for those of you who know, my son helped me drive the U-Haul uh, from Washington State down to Oregon with some furniture in it and some other things. And he had that exact same experience. We started coming down the Wilsonville Road and he was like, what are those? Because they were just so dramatic. The, the, the craggy branches, and we talked about the relationship, the partnership between tending these trees and the harvester and the, the, the food that is provided out of the tree. And the tree has always been one of humankind's most powerful symbols. In most mythology and ancient religious imagery, the tree was believed to have an abundance of divine creative energy. And I think my son and I both felt that again on this gut level, this below consciousness level as we came across those walnut and filbert orchards. So the trees have fascinated humans for as long as we know. We know this because they are strongly featured in folk tales that were passed down orally long before they were ever written down. There are drawings and paintings uh, from ancient times, and it's seen in culture and art. The shape and the strength of the tree invokes this powerful sense of spirituality. Trees connect our earth and up to our sky. They're symbols in worship and celebration. In several faith traditions, the tree connects heaven and earth and sometimes the underworld as well. Supporting and upholding the cosmos. And you can see from behind me why, why we get a feeling of supporting the sky. And they bridge that sky and earth and mysteries below the soil. 
In Nordic mythology, the most sacred tree was Yggdrasil. The tree served as the axis mundi, connecting heaven and earth and underworld activity. Around it existed nine worlds and spirits lived inside. Its branches extended to the heavens and its roots extended into these worlds and, to, and into the root springs, the wells. Also in the Nordic tradition, the birch is a symbol of mother earth representing powers of growth and healing whose strength comes from the ability to care for and support others and to cultivate unconditional love. So there we have a beautiful balance of masculine and feminine qualities between the trees as well. The Celts of Britain were especially fascinated with trees, especially the oak, the apple, the birch, and the ash. In parts of Africa, the baobab tree, which is what's behind me, is held with such respect and esteem, it is the national emblem of Madagascar. And if you can look and see the massive trunk in relationship to the branches, and the branches are very sky-facing, there's no, there's no tumbling over like we see in some of our more gentle Northwest trees. It's believed to hold the spirits of the dead inside the trunk. And it's said that for 3,000 years, kings had their meetings under these trees because being with the spirits, being with the ancestors, enhanced their decision-making and gave them wisdom. As we come over to our side, our continent, in what we call North America, Indigenous people here were already holding deep respect for the beauty and history of the trees. The largest yellow oak is almost 500 years old and is seen by indigenous people in the area for its power to heal. I have extended family in Minnesota. It's really where my mother's side comes from. So I know that there is a Chippewa tribe in Minnesota that holds a connection to a sacred tree that is called the Little Cedar Spirit Tree. And the first time that um, Europeans even wrote about the tree was 1731, so it's much older than that. And um, recently the tribe was able to purchase the lands around the tree so they can now protect this tree from um, inter intervention and from vandalism so it can remain the sacred spot. Indigenous people have also always known about the healing properties. Pine has incredible antibacterial property. And for those of you who are old enough to remember the grape nuts commercials, we all know that parts of the pine tree are edible because Yule Gibbons told us so. I tried this once myself, I found it horribly bitter but an interesting experiment all the same. For hundreds of years, oak bark has been used by indigenous people to treat indigestion, kidney problems, cuts and burns. But how does Unitarian Universalism approach the tree in terms of celebration, spiritual growth, and our justice work? 
I think first when I see the tree in terms of Jungian psychology, which is spiritual growth, by the way, the tree in Jungian psychology much is about symbolism and archetype and dream work. And so the symbol in dreams or drawings is about the growth and development of a psychic life, a link to this collective unconsciousness that we carry just in our gut and our bones. It's a bedrock of the human experience. Therefore, it is the experience of all of us across the globe and over time. So the tree in this way is a path to spiritual growth. UU Minister Reverend Lisa Ward speaks about the tree having its own spiritual gifts for all of us. She talks about this in terms of a generosity of our spirit. The presence of trees articulates that when one is well grounded, centered in one's roots, healthy growing and flexibility in change that comes from this generosity of spirit, the giving of oneself. The tree is flexible, it can move in the wind. It, has, it can respond to change. The willow giving over to the winds, fruit and nut trees giving of their bounty, leaves giving over to winter decay for the future growth. So the way we sustain ourselves is by giving of ourselves when we are centered in the same way. Ward says that by giving, we stimulate this regeneration of life and spirit and growth and expanse. And in a forest, I even think about how trees touch one another. Sometimes when they're just standing still and as they move in the wind and the limbs reach out and touch the tree next to us. In the book, Lab Girl, the author um, who is um, a geobiologist, she talks about how the trees talk to one another through their root systems. So this generosity we are strengthened is our social justice work. It's part of our spiritual practice. Trees host the seeker of shelter, the return of a traveling family, there's hospitality in the trees. The tree does not judge or send away. Rather, it welcomes the birds, even if it's one of those screeching Stellar's J families that may have made a nest in your backyard. Or the hardworking squirrel that needs a safe place to store sustenance or rest for a time, especially if there are cats prowling around on the ground. In the winter, a natural growing notch in an evergreen gives a winter chickadee a safe place to stay out of the wind and they conserve their energy there until morning breaks and they can search for their next meal. So if we think of ourselves as the ancient collective consciousness and unconsciousness, that we welcome the stranger, we feed the hungry, we visit the imprisoned, we support the shelter that invites the homeless in at night. And when we choose to care and plant for actual physical trees, like the elder and the child in our story, we are creating precious life-giving energy. 
I'm so excited to hear about the reforestation plans that are already happening for Oregon to undo part of the damage of last year's wildfires. But all of this begins in a commitment for us. We have to choose to grow. We have to choose spiritual growth. And it's Earth Day, so what a perfect time to remake, to remake our commitment. I want to return to Lab Girl. For those of you who have not read this book, it is a brilliant book. It, it, it will teach you things about nature you don't know, and it teaches you about ways to live um, that we learn from nature. Um, the author, um, Jaren, is a geochemist and a geobiologist, and she's working in Oslo, Norway at, at a university there. And I want to read what she says about knowing when to wait and knowing when to sprout. She says most seeds wait for years before starting to grow. A cherry seed can wait for a hundred years with no problem. What exactly each seed is waiting for is known only to that seed. There's some unique trigger combination of temperature, moisture, light, and many other things that are required to convince that seed to dry out, to take a leap, go off the deep end and take a chance. It's one and only chance to grow. And the seed is alive when it waits. Every acorn on the ground is just as alive as the 300 year old oak. Neither the seed or the oak is growing. They're just waiting. They're waiting differs. The seed is waiting to flourish and the oak has given of itself and is waiting to die. When you go into a forest, you probably tend to look up the, the plants that have grown so much taller than you ever could. Again, we're skyward focused. You probably don't look down. We're just beneath your single footprint sits between 100 and 1,000 seeds, each one alive and waiting. When you are in the forest, for every tree that you see, there will be no less than 3 million more trees waiting in the soil, fervently wishing to be. When an embryo within a seed starts to grow, it stretches out from a doubled over posture and it elongates into ownership. That hard coat that surrounds each peach pit, every walnut shell, prevents expansion. But when you add a little, when you scratch the hard coat and you add a little water, it's enough to make almost any seed grow. Lab, the lab girl author says, I must have cracked thousands of seeds over the years, and yet the next day's green never fails to amaze me. Something so hard can be so easy with just a little help. In the right place, under the right conditions, you can finally stretch out and be what you are supposed to be. Each beginning is the end of waiting. We are given exactly one chance to be. 
Each of us is both impossible and inevitable. As we go forth today from our sacred space of togetherness here at UUFM, which is one of the places we grow, may we celebrate our planet, our shared lives, and the lessons from trees that inspire us to grow. May we hold our commitments and each other gently and firmly until we meet again. Blessed be.